You are listening to Wait a Minute with Beth and Jessica. Episode 48. I'm Jessica Pearson, certified life coach. And I'm Beth Barnett Babel, integrative nutrition therapist. Hi. Hey. (laughs) Shaken. You're not feeling well again. I know. I had a really good run though. You did. I have been well for months, which is like more than I can say of last year. So, and it's not like two years. Yeah. And I'm not super sick, but I will say last night we got an email from daycare that said somebody in your child's class has been tested positive for strap and like my throat was already hurting and I was like oh no like are do you have strap did you get tested no because my throat doesn't hurt anymore it kind of hurt yesterday but now it's fine um, so now I just feel a little congested so I'm hoping I got like the very end like maybe I just didn't get as much virus strep. I don't know Or have I had enough strep in the last year and a half that maybe my body is fighting? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just kind of hoping and praying that it doesn't escalate. Okay. Keep, keep track of your lymph nodes just in case. I am. (laughs) (laughs) We keep our eyes peeled for things in the media or in real life that come from diet culture or that perpetuate diet culture in some way. These are often the subtle ways it creeps in, which is why we are shining a light on it and sharing it with you. So I sent you something that I found on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, you saw that on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. I think, was it from the New Yorker or... CNN. Oh, I don't don't follow CNN, so I don't know where that came from. But yeah, Yeah. because I was like, oh, this is interesting because I have my own personal vendetta against... Diet well, sugars. You should say what it is before. <laughs> okay. So it was an article about erythritol, which I'm like, uh-huh. am I even saying that right? Erythritol. Mm-hmm. And I'll let you go over the whole thing because it's very scientific. And yeah. So the title of the article Zero Calorie Sweetener Linked to Heart Attack Stroke Study Finds. And it was in CNN. And I was like, it's like, huh. I honestly was expecting some fluff and some mm-hmm. quasi clickbait stuff to be totally honest. Like I well, was that's kind of not... what I thought. And that's why I sent it to you. I was like, Beth will fact check this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I proceeded to text you lots of things and you were like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. so anyways, if you want to go check it out, it's on CNN. I'm sure by now there's probably hopefully another news source has picked this up, but essentially what this article is about is that researchers in the UK were looking for anything in the blood, nothing specific to find unknown chemicals or compounds in a person's blood that might predict their risk for heart attack, stroke, or death in the next three years. And so I believe that these people had some risk factors for heart disease already. And so they began analyzing just over 1,100 blood samples for people at risk and with heart disease between 2004 and 2011. And so what can we talk about how long these things take? So they did this profound research in 2004 to 2011. There were some other things that took time, but that it's now 2023. Yeah. And we're just now hearing, hearing about, about this. And so the erythritol amounts in food since 2011 has not stayed the same 
or gone down. It's only grown exponentially um, because it became a very big part of the keto movement. So that just occurred to me, like how long it takes for these things to come out. It was quoted. We found the substance that seems to play a big role, but we don't know what it was. Then they discovered it was erythritol, a sweetener. So that team sent another batch of blood samples. They got, oh, they wanted to confirm it. So they got other samples from 2,100 people in the U.S. and then 833 samples from other colleagues in Europe in 2018. So seven years after that, they got that information. And then about three quarters of these participants in all the populations had coronary heart disease or high blood pressure. And some of them had diabetes. So in all three populations, they found that higher risk, they found found higher levels of erythritol um, were connected with a greater risk of heart attack, stroke, or death because the erythritol increases the clotting factors. So we do have normal clotting factors that happen all the time in our blood, in our body. But what it would do is that it would cause these normal things to over respond. So it'd be like almost like a 10 X response to um, something very small. And so then these, you know, are big clots and that can then create issues, you know, that go to the brain to cause stroke or, or um, clots in the heart. So then they wanted to make sure that this was right. And so then they tested animals. So, and then they also had people drink, a beverage that had 30 grams of erythritol in it, the amount many people in the U.S. consume, and they tracked it and it uh, and their uh, clotting risk, and it was elevated for two to three days after they drank the thing. So I did see one person lash back on this because they were like, "It's only an eight-person study," and so then they were like, "Oh, well, that was just well, just the eight healthy volunteers oh. that drank the beverage." Oh. So it was like eight people are the ones that are like the final confirmers, but there's so much more data behind. Oh yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Well, the eight people are to see what happens in healthy people when you drink erythritol and how long does it stay in your body and do clotting risk factors go up? So if you're healthy, you ha- your clotting risk might go up. And then also imagine that for all the people that um, do have a risk factor for clotting Mm-hmm. or, you know, heart disease. Or stroke. Well, what's interesting is because the people who might be at risk for heart disease or clotting are people that are, might be watching their diet. Their doctor tells them you got to go on keto or lower then, carbs or lower sugar, but they still yeah. would like to have the things that they want. And so now there's these products that have it in it. So yeah. a pint of keto ice cream is... You typically has 30 grams of erythritol, but they were finding somewhere a lot of products had between 26 and 45, but one of them, they found like one product marketed toward people with diabetes had 75 grams of it in the product. The issue is when they're in the, in the higher amounts. So this was not, these same things were not happening in the smaller erythritol, the smaller dose. So I know a lot of people that do um, either monk fruit or those erythritol drops in the morning with coffee or tea. And that's pretty much their consumption of it for the day. That is not what this is. 
Mm-hmm. It's only if you're consuming high amounts of it. And, you know, there was one comment in here that was like, well, this has been on the generally accepted, you know, list for safety, the grass list, GRAS. So the, you know, it's considered safe, but it's like, well, have we ever tested this amount of it? And what all were we looking for? And then sometimes those studies for generally accepted as safe you know, are not that long. So yeah, yeah, they're just um, going on that. And this just goes to show like we really need to be very careful about just because we're replacing something with, with something else that doesn't make it better. Well, it's like a high dose of a keto ice cream is replacing maybe a high dose of regular ice cream, but there's still high doses of ice cream. So like, what is the dose of ice cream, whether it is keto or regular? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, you know, it's kind of looking at, yeah, because they make these things they are like, but it's not going to raise your blood sugar. And it's like, okay, it's more than blood sugar. I'm like, it's more than that. And also like, it's the marketing behind all of it. That's like, well, mm-hmm. this, not that continues to yeah. be that. And we found this magical way. And it's like, Oh, maybe. And, you know, they are, you know, there's lots of now information about Splenda and how it affects like gut health. And then, you know, all the studies that were done on the saccharin um, and those impacts on different health factors. So it's like, if it's too good to be true, it probably is, especially when considering the consumption or dose of foods that are not necessarily you know, I want to call them like foods we eat for pleasure. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, we don't eat ice cream because it's nourishing our physical body. We eat it because we enjoy it. Right. So like when they come out and they're like, we found this magical way to enjoy and get all the pleasure without having to sacrifice anything. It's like, I don't know if that exists. Right. And like, and that's okay. As we say over and over again, there's no good or bad. It's just like, what's the dose right. that works for you? Yeah. And what I was surprised to learn about this, I didn't really realize this, but like monk fruit and stevia also have erythritol yeah. in it as the, as the bulk Correct. because those like the stevia and the monk fruit molecules really are so small, small yeah. that you need the erythritol to like actually make it look like something. Yeah. <laughs> so, so in any, in most alternative sweeteners, you're going to be consuming some of this. So, you know, you just got to like look at the dose and, and think about it. But yeah, I was saying like, I'm just kind of anti-fake sugar because I don't think they taste good. I can get by on a little monk fruit or like coconut sugar or something, you know, but stevia and some other ones, I just, it's like that aftertaste. Mm -hmm. I would rather have a small amount of real ice cream versus a pint of keto ice cream. You know what I mean? Yeah. My son is like, overly sensitive to these flavors too. Like there's a, it's like electrolyte plus it's got some vitamins and minerals in it. It was before he could swallow pills to get his multivitamin in. Cause he was like, I don't want to chew them. And I'm like, well, how are we going to, how are we going to manage this? So I tried giving him those things and it has stevia in it. I couldn't taste it. I'm, I usually can taste it. And I couldn't taste it. And he's, he's like, blah, 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 blah. like he's so sensitive to it. Like he can taste that minute amount yeah. of it in there. It's pretty wild. Same. So I know I'll see something and I'm like, Ooh, this looks interesting. And then I read the ingredients and I'm like, Stevia. It's like, uh, you know, in Seinfeld yeah. and they're like, yeah, it's Estella. No, no. Who's the guy in Seinfeld? Oh, neighbor. Newman. Newman. Yeah. I'm like, Newman. <laughs> it's like, that's how I feel about Stevia. <laughs> yeah. 
veering off to a very, very different topic. Today, we thought we would discuss vanity. But really, is it vanity when we do certain hair, face, or body enhancements? Where does the line cross between some types of self-care to vanity because it makes you feel good? Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about this and I asked Beth ahead of time because she <laughs> got a facial. Oh, a lot more than a facial, but yeah, I got... <laughs> well, it started as a facial, right? Well, so, it was microneedling. So is microneedling a facial? I think it's more like an advanced facial. Okay. I don't think it's that as an altering. You know, it's like if you're not getting cut open or injected or I mean it's I tiny know. little needles going into your face to stick yeah, so I don't know stimulate, gray area. stimulate things and people use them for all sorts of reasons between like acne scars wrinkles just like general stuff so anyways continue <laughs> will you tell your story because it was funny to me because as you were po- you posted this on social I media, did so that's why I asked you if we could talk yeah. about it here because I was like well she's sharing it's transparent yeah and I appreciate that so I had you went and got, yeah yeah so you went and you got this facial you're like I'm getting microneedling and you thought you were gonna get the plasma you know where they just smeared on well top I knew of your it face. wasn't gonna be a smear on top of my face because I knew that she didn't like that way but It was really when she was explaining it to me when we were doing our consult about like, well, what are my goals and like what will really work? And she was, you know, the best you can look at somebody's face on, you know, a virtual camera. And we talked about it and she was like, well, there's this new way of doing it. But the way that it was described online and I did look it up in multiple places and the way that she described it, it didn't sink in in any way because maybe I was unwilling to hear it. I don't know. Or I didn't comprehend. I didn't understand, but you just blacked it out. I don't know. I have no idea. But anyways, I just knew I was going for the microneedling. It's called Scarlet RF. So it's microneedling with radio frequency and it's supposed to do something different. Anyways, you can't tell. There's like no downtime. There's like very little redness. And then I knew I was going to get my plasma taken out I am concerned about injectables. Like what happens if I'm one of those people where I go even for the smallest amount and then it like looks weird or then we find out in five years that, you know, some, something really terrible and now I've got them in my face. And so I have personally not done Botox or anything like that yet. Um, I did used to do Botox in my armpits because I used to sweat like crazy. But anyway, so I went for this because I... I'm 44 and I was noticing that this area that they, what do they call it? Your naso something where it's by between your laugh lines. Basically. Well, it's like from that area, from the bottom of like your nose, your, your nose down. And you know, it's like kind of like where it lines the side of your cheek between your cheek and your lips. Your marionette lines. I don't know what they're called, them? but anyway, so there's those lines that are from your nose yeah. down to your chin. I was just like, those were getting really deep. And then I think I was start, I was, and I don't think I was starting to get, the appearance yeah, of, sent me a photo. of jowls. <laughs> she sent me a photo. And I was like, like, what is happening here? And I could just notice that, you know, like I was getting more wrinkles than I desired in my chin mouth region. I was like, it looks like I have smoker mouth and I have jowls. So I was like, but I don't smoke. And this is like, I don't know. So I wanted to see what I could do as natural as possible. And so this was the option. 
And then next thing I know, she's like explaining the process to me and they use a cannula needle, which goes under the skin and it's like a tube like needle. That's how they inject your plasma into your skin, your face. And then what it does is that that stimulates like your collagen and elastin and all these things to like do what they would normally do as if you were, you know, in your thirties. So you kind of accidentally got injectables. Yes. But your friend told me that I technically was like, well, did you? Because, you know, her view of injectables is really like the more, you know, traditional kinds that we think of. I don't know the names of them, but like those kinds of people. Yeah. Do. I don't, yeah. So I don't know. Cause there's not really like, I mean, who, why would we even have to divide them or label it or whatever? But yeah, it was a lot more uncomfortable. I wouldn't say <sighs> pain is not quite the word for it. It was um, very uncomfortable. Cause I also was just not prepared for this. Cause I've never had anything like that done. And um, they do numb your face but it's only the top layer. So you can't feel the like needle going in, but you can feel everything else in certain areas, but not in all areas. So some areas were more sensitive than others. And so it was just like a lot. And I just kept thinking to myself, what have I done? I was like, I know that this is like safe. It's just my own plasma. It's going to be okay. I was like, but I am really uncomfortable. And I just was like having all these thoughts about like, was there a part of you that was nervous you're going to come out looking to No, huh? Like I okay. knew that it was not that powerful. I was just like, oh my gosh, I am putting myself in this discomfort and this is going to cost quite a bit of money on purpose for what reason? And, and then I was like, well, how much did I not like my jowls? So I was just like experiencing all of these thoughts. I was like, I did do this on purpose. I was uncomfortable. It was somewhat for vanity reasons. And yeah, also a hundred percent will do it again. Yeah. I'm starting a savings account so I can <laughs> do it when I'm 44. I'm like, all right, now that I know what it was, I wasn't able to finish like the area around my mouth because it's really sensitive and it was already like a lot. And so I just didn't have the energy to keep going. And she was like, you're done. And I'm like, thank you. I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we agreed that I, d- I wasn't up for having a more sensitive area done. So based off, uh, cause now you're a few days in, how, what do you think? Of- I think it looks really good. The thing is I see the slippery slope of the thing because now I, it points out some of the areas I was not able to get as much into or at all because I could not handle any more discomfort for the day. Again, pain is not the right word. Discomfort is putting it lightly as well. It was somewhere in between. I thought I had a high pain threshold. It turns out I don't. I guess certain things I do, but other things I don't. So I highlight some of the areas that um, I didn't get to finish, but I don't really care. I think it looks really good, but it's not so drastic. Like I wouldn't expect anybody to be like, Ooh, what did you have done? No, no. it is not like that. No, you just look like you rested or like, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. 
You're just like a little refresh. Right? Yeah. Like a little re a little rewind. Yeah. And then like the thing, like the, it's going to keep going. Like it's going to keep producing collagen and elastin. So it might change over time. It might not. We don't really know exactly, but that's the But point. of course, leave it up to Beth to find the natural injectable that nobody knew existed. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Well, I think they've so got a, a new, good. it's called like RPF. It's, it's like I'm all of your plasma. It's, it's not PRP because that's the one that's like, um, she said very watery and goopy and it wasn't really getting in. And so then they found out that you can use more of like the whole plasma itself, which I was apparently a good producer of pat myself on the back on that one. I was impressed. <laughs> so anyways, and she said that is how they figured out that, you know, they could inject it with more accuracy and more benefit. And it lasts longer yeah. with the PRP. It doesn't last very long. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole point I was like, well, let's talk about vanity because I think it's like, Two things can be true. Yeah. We can be vain. And it's like, why are we vain? So Beth asked, because she was like, what do you, what about you? And I was like, well, I color my hair. Right. You know, like I've been doing highlights on and off throughout my life since I was like 17, 18. Mm -hmm. And I like it better when my hair looks lighter. But, and so Beth was like, well, is that external? And I'm like, well, even though I don't really think so now, but it, it obviously is like, why would I ever decide to do that in the first place? It's because there's some thought out there or belief that was shared with me that like, this looks good or that like, you know, and I agreed with it. I was like, yeah, I do. I do like it when people have light hair or whatever. Are you like it and when then, you have light hair? Right. Yeah. It's like not on everybody. Of... Yeah. So it's like, but it's like, where does that thought come from? Like, I don't even know. And you know, there's kind of these theories that like we're trying to get, go back to our own childhood because you know, when you're like a toddler, you have these beautiful, you know, different hair colors, your hair's like more dynamic, whether it's highlights or maybe not if you have like, I mean, I mean, I feel because I, I am a natural brunette. I have a lot of brown in my hair, but when I was little mm -hmm. and just like my son has, you know, it's like a lot of blonde. Yeah. It's like really, you know, and so like, it's like kind of this weird people talk about it. Like, Oh, is this like some weird, like fetish for childhood or something? What? And I'm like, what? No, okay. it's not. Yeah. It's like this ingrained idea. This is also like why hair removal kind of gets backlash. Cause it's like, Oh, we're trying to remove hair to mimic being younger, like so young, like prepubescent. Oh. And they're like, that's gross. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I do have some thoughts about like, I, I do, <laughs> I don't mind that people do it. I don't, you know, but I'm also like, well, I do personally not get the whole, like, you know, waxing it all off in the nether region. Like I just, I'm sure I mean, it's I've more done it. I don't but... do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> the main reason I don't do it is because it makes me pee funny. <laughs> like if you're in public and you try to squat, yeah. it does. It doesn't. I, like I was not getting a direct line. Oh right. <laughs> of, of pee. It was just like go everywhere. Oh dear. <laughs> so anyway, I digress. Yeah. But like. You know, at this point, it's like, oh, it's just your personal preference, but why we started doing those things. Right. Like, whether or not we're aware that it is an external form of like trying to fit in, it is in some way. Yeah. Cause, like, think about this. If, if I lived on some like native island 
you know, off the coast of India, I wouldn't be like, Oh, I really need highlights. Like nobody would, you know, it just like wouldn't occur to me. I would never know that that was a thing or that it existed. But don't you think that that culture would have something that they defined as beautiful? Yeah, I would probably have then... some like piercings, maybe some tattoos. Like, I don't know what I yeah. would have. Yeah, I would be, there would be like something else. And it's, that's the thing is like, it's also normal. We've talked about this when we talked about comparing. It's like normal to want to fit in. Right. It's not like a bad thing mm-hmm. that you want to fit in. It's a sign of being human because if we don't fit in, our brain thinks, oh, we might get attacked by a lion, mm-hmm. right? Like our tribe is going to leave us out in the middle of the desert and we're going to get eaten by a coyote. So we got to do what it takes to like be a part of the group. So it's human nature to want to belong. And, you know, we've just taken in all of these different messages about different things. And now it's like, oh, we do get to pick and choose. And so I think the two things can be true. Like, yes, it can be vanity mm-hmm. and that's okay. And what feels good to you? Like, are you doing it out of like desperation and it feels terrible? And then like fixing it doesn't really make you feel any better. Mm-hmm. Or is it something that you actually enjoy and are like willing to do? I don't know. You know, the word vanity, like a lot of words gets thrown around, you know, very casually. Yeah. Well, one has like a mostly negative connotation, but also it gets thrown around very casually like, oh, ha ha, I'm vain, you know, I'm going to do these things. But, you know, it's not taken to the level. So that definition of vanity of it being excessive pride or admiration for one's appearance or achievements. So yeah, like to me, it's like, where does that go? Like, it's not, I guess what I did and what you do for your hair is not really necessarily excessive pride, but it gets all labeled under this lump sum of a spectrum of vanity Mm -hmm. right is that right yeah and then i was also thinking about like well what's where what is that line between vanity and self-care well like i was thinking while you're talking about that i was thinking about like just our body image and having you know neutral or positive body image Mm -hmm. and like where is that line between like i have great body image and i still would like to alter my body in some way yeah Right. I mean, that's kind of the apex of where we're at, where it's like, we want you to learn how to love yourself exactly as you are. Mm -hmm. And then when you can get there, it's like now is the time to make a decision, right? Like if I'm not feeling good about myself and I think that doing highlights is going to make me feel better or be more loved or valuable, then that's like incorrect, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, no, I need to feel that way about myself. And then I just, I either get the highlights or I don't. But for me, it's just like, I do feel a little bit brighter. I feel a little little bit more myself. And as we were talking about this earlier, it kind of has become a part of my identity Mm -hmm. without it even trying. It's just because it's been a habit that I've done or something that I practiced for so long that I'm like, oh, this is just what I like to be or what I like to look like. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. And I can't speak to like facial alterations yet. I'm like, I, I still identify as a young person. I do too. That's why I didn't want gels. <laughs> and, and I know. And so, yeah, it's like, I don't know when it's coming for me and what I'll do when it does. So I, yeah, like you said, you're like, I haven't done Botox yet. And I'm like, yeah, not yet. Even though my husband is like pretty adamantly against it, but like, it's so widely accepted now and promoted. You, you know, you go to like, it's not just your dermatologist. It's like my gynecologist, my 
ENT, like every doctor I cross is, has like a huge Botox, you know. Oh yeah. The liquid, the nutrition IV place, you can get Botox there. Right. It's like, oh really? Preventative. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. The founder of Botox, whoever invented Botox, his wife has never had Botox. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Why hasn't she it's done not her thing? You know, I know. But I'm like, what did she know that I don't, that I don't? Yeah. <laughs> Cause the other theory is like, also when you're relaxing those muscles, you're also losing muscle tone. Mm-hmm. So if you don't continue to use the Botox, then you're losing muscle tone. So then if you don't use it, you're going to look a lot worse than if you never used it to begin with. Hmm. I don't know. There's a couple interesting accounts. Like there's this woman I follow on Instagram her name escapes me, but she's like 50 and she's like, I've officially not done any filler or Botox for like the last five years. Mm-hmm. And she's like, my face actually looks better than it ever has. But I'm also like, is it a fair comparison if you've been doing it for 12 years? Like, I don't oh, know right. if you would look the same at 50. I don't yeah. Know. But it's interesting. There, there are discussions for like not doing those things, but that's why what you did, I was like, well, that's interesting because it's not artificial. It's part of my body. How bad could it be? Right. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's, it's interesting all around. I mean, I shave my legs. I wear makeup from time to time. People get their nails done in very elaborate ways. So they're like, there's all these things that we do to enhance our appearance. And we just, some people just like are anti all of it. they're like, it's the establishment that's creating that. And it's like, well, maybe it is, but maybe it's not like, I don't know. Like we then all get to decide, like, I have no idea where I learned that. I know. remember when it was that I crossed the line from not noticing my leg hairs as a young person to not noticing them to noticing them and being like, Oh, I got to shave this all off. I got dark leg hair in like fourth. Grade. Oh yeah. My, I was, you know, I was begging my mom. Please I was, but that's the thing. It's like, well, because where did I we was get that information along right. the way that having hair on your legs means, you know, maybe you look too much like a boy or, you know, it's a, it's a sign that you've started puberty where other people around you maybe haven't, you know, so there's, it just, I felt like there was a lot of shame. Yeah. There was embarrassing. I had a friend tell me, she's like, Oh, you got monkey legs. And I was like, Oh my God. And I had never noticed it before. Yeah. And so you better believe I learned yeah. that painful bick. Yeah. routine after that. <laughs> I know. And it's like, where, yeah. So where did that come from? Like, was, were our moms taught that? Is that just like a whole societal thing? But yeah, in different cultures, there's different things and different standards and practices and adornments. Mm-hmm. So, you know, two, two things can be true. Like it can be all the things you just get to decide. This is where thinking for yourself comes in mm-hmm. and then also having your own back. This is where the self-confidence in it comes in where it's like, I, this is the reason why I want to do something. I like my reason and I have my own back. Like I'm not going to let anybody tell me otherwise, you know? Yeah. So where does it cross the line of having that, what is defined as excessive pride or admiration? Like, does it, you know, just where it becomes like people just are like, Oh, they're so vain, you know, like, and, and in a very negative way. And it's like, I'm always curious, like what makes people cross that line, both because they act that way and then vice versa, what people then decide, well, they can't look like 
you know, what I feel like is dog do. And they certainly can't look this good because that's vain. And so this just is like, it's so, well, it's all judgment and it's actually yeah. nothing to do with the person that we're calling vain because right. it's not about us. It's not, a, it's all about them. It's not about me. Yeah. So if I'm having a judgment that I think someone's being vain, that's for me to sort out my stuff. Right. I can't, I can't decide if someone else is vain or not. And I can't decide if, if I think they are vain, if that's even good or bad. Right. <laughs> so it's like, there is, it's an, it's, it's imaginary. There is no line. Cause it's actually, what if just the word vanity is the BS. Right. And it's just someone's choice to adorn themselves however they like. And whether it is benefiting them or causing mental havoc, it's still none of my business. Right. Like that's for them, their experience that they get to work through is, is what they're doing in that spectrum of vanity is helping them or not helping them. And it's only up up to them on how they live that experience. Yeah. It's none of my business. I will find it fascinating. (laughs) It's none of my business. Yeah. I do find a lot of the things that people do very fascinating. So I'm like, I wonder what that would be like. And I'm like, that just doesn't appeal to me. So I'm not gonna like the really long nails. I'm like, I don't know how I would function in the world with all those things. They are really cool. Like the designs that Mm -hmm. people do on their nails now are amazing, but I am just like four days in and I know that onesies are going to bust off or all that gel will have started to peel off. Even though it's supposed to last longer, I will find a way to get that gel to chip off. (laughs) So I just don't do it because I'm like, why? But I like to look at it, but I don't want it for myself. Yeah. But I don't think somebody that has those nails as main... Well, it's kind of like interested. This is one of those things where you can put it in context of other forms. So, like money, when do you determine when someone's greedy? Mm. And is that my business? I mean, if they're breaking laws and committing crimes for the sake of money, that's one thing. Yeah. But otherwise, is it really my business how much money they want to earn or Or donate or not donate or like how much they keep of it for themselves or not? Yeah. I don't know. Either. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I sure hope that we gave you something new <laughs> to think about today and helped you take one more step on your path to freeing yourself from diet culture. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at path underscore nutrition. And if you are looking to change your relationship with food and your body from a whole health perspective, please visit our website at pathnutrition.com to get started. Bye. Bye everyone. Bye.